Check, checking, chicken, chicken. You're hot now or not? Checking, checking the chicken choke. I'm back. My name is Todd Bluebaugh. You're listening to the Blue Toddcast. Whoever you are, wherever you are, thanks so much for tuning in. This is my show. It is about motorcycles, photography, art, travel, adventure, wonder, lust, whiskey. I'm just kidding. We don't. I don't think we talk about whiskey. Probably more tequila if we talk about anything around here. Maybe some red wine, some spritzers, some thummers coming. I hope you guys are excited to ride because spring is in the air. I can smell it. It smells like gasoline and tarmac. Gasoline that costs $8 a gallon. So maybe bikes are the only thing anybody should be getting around on these days. But it's nice that the weather's warming up. If the wind would die down, I don't think I'd be in this room recording this right now because I'd probably be on my motorcycle with all of you. Let's see, what else? Um, You know what, I gotta... Just let me say thank you to everyone who watched our movie. I really appreciate that. Uh, that was a huge project. My buddy Trevor over there in Missouri has been working on. We finished shooting that on, in 2015. So it's taken this long. Here we are. But it happened, and if you went and watched it on wherever you get your streaming stuff, I really appreciate it. Because that, that supports us a lot. Okay? So thank you. Thank you from all of us who made that project, which there was only about nine of us. Alright, um, what else? Getting you caught up. If it, Let me fill you in on how this operation works. This is a podcast about motorcycles and adventure, all that. I told you about it. I fund it by collaborating with these brands to bring some products to the market so I don't have to advertise stupid shit. I'm very happy to announce a collaboration with American Optical. We're going to be bringing some eyewear to the market. This is a company that's been around since 1833. An American-made company, and they have been on my watch list on eBay for years because I absolutely love their product, and I'm very excited about this collaboration. So our, our sunglasses will probably be out within the month. So be paying attention, and please go get yourself a pair off my website website or the boots the denim my books on there I've got a good I got a good collection of things to buy on that website that I think you'll very be very proud of and thank you to all the companies who've gotten behind me with this operation I really appreciate it okay moving on to this episode Andre Ellum who has been a quiet influence in my life since the day we met. We tracked that back to 2009. But ever since then, I have been on pretty much whatever course he steers me on, whether that be motorcycles. Now we're getting into sailing vessels, which is scary and really exciting. But Andre and I reconnected recently when he called me and said, Hey, I'm part of this nonprofit now that restores these old wooden ships down in Long Beach. And I want to make a video or drive some attention over there to this thing. And I thought, oh, that sounds awesome. And I got to thinking about it. I was like, well, how, what? I don't know anybody who does boating stuff. But then it's kind of the same as motorcycles. 
So I said, all right, well, let's do an episode. And you talk about it. We'll go on a trip. Actually, the trip kind of happened a little differently. My buddy Jason and Spencer and Pete were going on a motorcycle trip up the coast. And I thought, you know, that's something Andre, since we're near the water, could really tie this together. So I called Andre and I said, hey, can we go on this thing? And he goes, I'm out on a sailboat off the coast right now, but I could jump on a train. Well, I guess you'd have to jump on a dinghy or a something to get over to the train. But then you get on a train, you go back down to Long Beach, and sure enough, man, Andre pulled it together. I met him down in Long Beach. Oh, sorry, headphones are falling off. God damn it. Okay, back. And we pulled this trip off last minute. And that's what this episode is about. If you haven't seen the video, go over to my YouTube channel and check it out because it's a really great ride with these guys uh, who Andre had never met before. This was his introduction to that group of dudes and we all just got along so well. It was a great bromance. Bro roadmance. Bro roadmance. I think you'll enjoy that video. And by the way, these videos, this is the reason why this thing, these things take so long. They fucking take forever. It's just a lot of work that goes into making that. But someday, because of your support, we are going to have a real bona fide travel show with a budget, and I'll be able to crank these things out a lot quicker. Because as it is now, I'm sitting on three of them that I've shot, but it takes a really long time to edit those, and I can't pay anybody, so I have to do it myself in between making a living and all the other dumb stuff I'm into. All right. Where was I? Oh, yes, Andre. Andre and I reconnected and we got to go on this trip. It was really fun. I got to I gotta say for a minute, just explain how much this means to me that my friends entertain this program that I'm doing and come be a part of it because it, I feel like it's kind of intrusive to shove a microphone in someone's face or shove a camera in someone's face and say, spill the beans. And that's what I have to do. And some people don't mind talking about themselves. You know, it comes very easily to them. Andre, on the other hand, has been someone I've always noticed that is so thoughtful and such a listener. That's why when I explain him as a quiet influence in my life, he is just that. He's someone you watch and really look up to as an example, just the way that he composes himself and speaks about things and he's always given or he's always steered me in really incredible and interesting directions. I mean, <laughs> him and Texas Dennis really got me into Harley Davidson's just because of the knowledge that they had and the I guess the the influence they had on me back then. And that really steered my life. To sit here and talk to him about that now is really special. And I, I I just really appreciate it. And Andre, I want you to know that. I'm also very excited. Andre's getting married in a week or two already. And his fiance Alyssa is amazing. We met, I met her in Vegas after Andre and I got on a little motorcycle tangle up. Uh, Andre was much worse off than I was in a way because his bike got wrecked totally. I guess I should explain this. So... There was an FXR in our group that lost control, slid out across three lanes of traffic on Interstate 15 and took out, I think, three or four bikes. Andre's being the worst of it. 
in this situation, he had no choice but to jump his Dyna over the FXR in a collision style, which crippled the front end of his bike when he hit the other bike. But then he evil Knieveled that on the freeway, but then had and didn't have a front end to land on. Still, somehow came out of it just fine. Walked away from that accident. Had to ship his crippled bike back to my shop in Los Angeles. And then proceeded to get on the bike that caused the accident because that rider had to go to the hospital. And he rode that motorcycle to Vegas, which is where we were headed. Which I now forget why I'm telling you this story. Oh yes, that's where I met his fiancée. That night, she came down and uh, we had a we had a fun time. She's wonderful and I'm very excited for their journey. <laughs> I'm going to get sidetracked if I keep talking. I don't know what I forgot, but I could say so many good things about Andre, just like anybody who knows him. But I'd rather you just listen and hear for yourself. So let's get to it, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, really quickly, I have to thank Rocco DeLuca for all the original music in this episode. Rocco, as you know, you are my spirit animal. Thank you so much. All right, here we go. Buckle up. Andre Ellum. Check, check. Is that coming through to you? It is? Okay. Yeah, this is your mic. And check, check. check. Mic check. check. Mic check. Actually, you are really good. You would be really good at this. <laughs> Don't you have to? Isn't that what part of what you do on the road? You used to be. Um, yeah, so here, you, you run that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're hot. If that starts going, if that stops running, we're in trouble. Yeah, you're hot. I'm just going to set that there. It's been a long time since I've done this. It kind of feels good to get back. What was your last one? It was was Tom Jones. Oh, really? Tom Jones was sitting in that chair right where you... Tom with an H. And we we talked for five hours. Oh, my God. Because we hadn't seen each other. Of course. When was the last time you saw Tom? DVR? Maybe three years ago now? Yeah, that yeah. was the DVR. His frame cracked. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. but because he came up for DVR this year, right? And um, we had a blast. I wish you would have made that one. Yeah, it oh, wasn't in the cards, but yeah. that was the one you. Oh yeah. You big you, spill. You took the worst. Well, I guess Paulo took the worst of it. Yeah, he broke his foot. He broke his foot. <laughs> I thought he broke his wrist. I don't know if you saw it when he, after he crashed, but mm. that thing was, and coming from someone who, like, I, have a, I just, I can't watch those things. Like when he went down, there was so much pain that shot through my body. From I know. You know I kind of winced too. But, but right before I, uh, you jumped, jumped the, jumped the bike. <laughs> <laughs> For for those of you who don't know what happened, uh, Andre launched. You're on your Dyna, right? Mm-hmm. My Defender, yeah. yeah. You launched a Dyna over an X FXR, FXR Troy's FXR that was sliding across Interstate 15, multiple lanes, multiple lanes. Took three people out, and then you got on the bike that caused the accident. Because yours was destroyed. Right. And then you rode it to Vegas. That's right. Because there was no one left to do that. Yep. I will always tell that story. That was 
that was pretty badass. What an man. ending to a really wonderful ride, though. I know. I wasn't. I wasn't mad at all. Everybody handled that so nicely. Right. I thought right. that's just kind of the group of guys that we have. That's right. That's right. How long has it been now? How long have we known each other? <clears throat> it would have been about 2009, probably, mm-hmm. when we started hanging out. That's right. So it's been a minute, man. Yeah, Seattle. Had a good little crew. Do you remember the you remember the Redwood? Oh yeah. So that those days spent at the Redwood when I was just meeting you and Texas Dennis and I was hanging out with Nick DiPaolo mm-hmm. and Analog and Tower were probably my best memories of Seattle. Nice. Of going out in yeah. Seattle. That was a good time for a few years, you know? It was. I remember I had I just had this memory pop up the other day because none of my friends from California ever got to meet my parents. Right. You know, but the ones in Seattle did. Mm-hmm. And we had this one night where my folks came up to visit and my dad went out with us that night. And we went to the Redwood. Uh and my dad just closed it down with everyone. That's it was awesome. so much fun. That's so awesome. And you know, it was yeah, it was everyone. It was Tower and DePaulo and Analog and you know everyone that everyone was dating at the time too. Mm-hmm. So the, the ladies were out, and that was like the real last night. We all like I had one of those nights. It was so much fun. Nice, good memory. It was a good memory. Tom and I kind of relived some of those too last time that he was here. He's in uh, Issaquah now. Right? Issaquah. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go out and see him one of these days. When was the last time you were back north? Um, gosh, it's been at least a year and a half, something like. Well, pre-COVID, so yeah, yeah, yeah a couple of years, you know. That's I, I. It's probably been 2016 for oh, me. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's a lot of time. I wouldn't recognize it anymore. I don't think. No. Well, maybe one of these days we'll do a an extended ride up there. We should. Oh, that would be great. And we should drag. Tom and whoever's left back down. Sure. Do you ever talk to Dallin anymore? Dallin's coming to my wedding, so you'll see him there. Oh, yeah. what a treat. Yeah. You ready for that? I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, that's More so exciting. Ready. You think you were gonna ever think you were going to get married? <laughs> you could for, be honest. For the first uh, <laughs> 40 years of my life, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. Happened to me, too. Yeah. I, I just met your wife, and I'm, I'm already awestruck. Like she's you, you amazing. met a really great human. Ah, she's amazing. Yeah. I got so lucky. You did. We both did. That's awesome. Yeah. How'd you meet Alyssa? <laughs> Funny story. Um, well, I was on I was on the road with uh with an artist and uh Who was it? Morrissey. Okay. Yeah, the Pope of Mope. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> and um yeah, she was a she was a super fan and I'd see her at a lot of shows in the front row and you know, thought she was cute after after a couple years. Really? <laughs> finally asked her out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It. it I mean, we had, we knew of each other for for maybe three years, and and uh, yeah, but now we've we've been together for close to six years now. And that is a that's a time to step it up. God, that I guess that you would have met her about the same time I met my wife then, because yeah. I think. It's been about seven mm-hmm. years for us. Since right, we met. right. And you were back east, right? When yeah. You met her on the movie. Yep, met her on the movie in the middle. 
So what would have been like 2015, something like that, met, somewhere yeah. around there? Yeah. God, that doesn't seem like that long ago, but California. The older man, you get, the faster it goes. It just goes by. How long were you on the road with Morrissey? About seven years. Yeah, up until again right before COVID, maybe like 2019. What is that life like? To just you just really learn how what hotels to stay in and what. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the the mile the mileage perks. Yeah, and uh it's it's not cut out for everybody, but I have to say that I I never took it for granted and I felt really I guess privileged and and blessed to be able to travel worldwide and go to a lot of beautiful and exotic places that I would never in my wildest dreams think of going to. Yeah, your knowledge of places is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. 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 You're kind of, I mean, I wonder if that may be why you're so switched on. Mm. Because even if I go for a long time without seeing you, Mm -hmm. when we get caught up. Oh, it's like we, like we just saw each other last week. No time passed. Yeah, exactly. But then when we talk, you're on to something. You're always like the boats. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, I never had any interest in the water, probably because where I grew up, they're just, it's the furthest away from yeah, anyone, you know, and then, land, and then I live in the desert, of course. But that one day you got me out on that sailboat, I just started thinking about it and thinking about it. And that is a dangerous thing for me. Yeah. Cause once it gets in there, you're bitten, man. It's just <laughs> like the bikes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I have to say it's, it's such a parallel right. to be out there on the water. It's right. a whole nother level. Oh yeah. Cause you could sink. Oh, yeah. My shit stops working on the road. I pull over to the side of the road. Exactly. That's, yeah, and there's there's people flying around out there. There's no lane. Nope. And <laughs> if, if you're on the Transpac, say, going to Hawaii or something, man, there's no calling AAA. How'd you get caught up with that? How'd you find them? those guys? <laughs> Just happenstance. It, I happened to be uh, in Newport Beach um, hanging out on a buddy's boat during a wooden boat show. And this guy came up to me and we got to talking and he's like, I belong to this organization, the Maritime Preservation Trust. I'm like, well, that's kind of a fancy name. I'll look into it and see what's happening. And uh, yeah, just started coming around the yard, volunteering, picking up a few things here and there just by observation. And I had always wanted to be in it back into a shop environment because prior to touring, you know, I had worked in some fab shops before building pretty mundane things. and um, But I never really experimented with wood. Yeah. So I like to always be... I have an inquisitive mind, as, as you do and yeah. a lot of my friends do, so you can relate. But... Uh, that is the circle. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, never stop learning. So anyways, like, yeah, I just started coming back around the yard and, you know, was, was finally accepted into their, their circle. And, um, now I'm just a regular and, and, um, yeah, we're, you know, we're trying to, it's a nonprofit. So, and basically the goal is to, uh, pass down knowledge that's, um, slowly disappearing because as, as I told you before, uh, you know they're they're not making too many wooden boats these days. Everything is fiberglass and and really high end. And um, I feel that sailing and being on the water should 
be more accessible to anyone, you know, like it was for me. Like I had, I had zero sailing experience. All I've learned was, you know, through lake sailing up in Seattle when I started and uh, never really, you know, did any ocean sailing, which is a totally different creature. Oh my God. As as you witnessed. Oh my God. And, um, yeah, man, it's just full stoke for me. I, I, you know, I like to be around the water, be in that shop environment and just kind of have free reign to just work on various projects. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that the comparison to motorcycles is, is, is very similar and I couldn't agree more. It checks all the boxes. It really does. You know, it's, it's the same kind of stoke when you're gliding through the water, you know, and, uh, you got the wind in your face. It's a powerful thing to be pulled by the wind. It truly is. It, <clears throat> it's, it feels like nothing else. Just raw power of the universe or something tugging yeah. you along. Yeah. It's a force. And I'd never, I'd done, just like you said, a little bit of lake sailing. Mm-hmm. And when we shot this movie, I had to learn how to like tack a boat real quick and right. pull a cleat and get the, right. you know, be safe on a boat. I had literally about a day to learn. Oh yeah. Um, but it was never something like the, the environment of the ocean. The one thing I can say about a lake is like you get to the end of it real quick, Mm -hmm. you know, out there, (laughs) it's just, it never stops. You get lost. You could, you know, if you start to have any type of flooding problem and you're out there, yeah. I just wouldn't even know where. Oh, and you have a motor. That's yeah. another thing. Is mm-hmm. like all of the motor craftsmanship is in there too, oh, yeah. and the engineering. Oh, I you know I showed you that boat Athena, the the motor cruiser, that was a Delta boat. And uh, what yeah, is a Delta boat? Um, when when they're referring to a Delta boat, they're talking about the Sacramento Delta, oh. because turn of the century there it was a lot of pleasure craft that would go up and down the Delta in Sacramento and uh yeah Stevens Brothers and a few other boat manufacturers were right there and uh believe it or not Stockton used to be a very uh I guess like there was a lot of money in Stockton at oh, one time yeah you know there was and and you know everyone had always used the the Delta's transport right you know from from the coast inland yeah yeah so there is a lot of history up there and uh yeah but it it is it's great to uh just open up the engine bay and see something from the 30s 40s 50s and and marvel at that and then just kind of dive in things that things that require that kind of comprehension and and level of detail is what brings people like us together yes that I is agree. that is the glue and mm-hmm. if and if you can't get on board with that like it's kind of sometimes hard to find something to talk about yeah just just like you were saying it's like you know i would say the majority of my friends are are very like-minded and and can really delve into the intricacies of of something that just any regular person would think is mundane or just totally pass on by yes it's a constructive energy and if you don't give the attention to it it becomes destructive mm-hmm. you know i don't i like if if i'm not working on something like this or in the garage there's a difference at the end of the day where i'm like man i'm kind of a piece of shit 
I didn't put anything together today. I can relate. Um, I mean, when it when it when it comes to to bikes, I'm a real slow mover. It's you know, it it, it takes me a lot of gumption to get in there. But it's always better when when you're around like an environment or you know somebody that's like there to push you. Yeah. Alongside you, and you know, it it's it's you know there there are very few individuals that I know that you know they 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 have that energy within themselves to just really focus and 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 get it done and you happen to be one of those individuals well it's funny you say that about yourself because Mm -hmm. you and texas dennis Mm -hmm. and tom jones at the time were so formative in inspiring me oh that's that's a nice thing thank you you're very welcome yeah but thank you because that and to get to sit down and do that and talk about that now Mm -hmm. however many years later is awesome because we all stuck with it right you know in seattle Mm -hmm. in the rainy part of the winter Mm -hmm. it was a dream of mine to be riding through california in the sunshine right and now that's all we strive to do you've come a long way man (laughs) i have (laughs) i remember you know living with tower there on on beacon hill and those rainy days looking out my window it's just kind of imagining looking out my window and seeing sunshine and a desert landscape right here we are manifested yeah it worked yeah it's always just trying to make it work it's it's nonstop. the thing about california is it's a gig economy which is something you have to learn to adapt to and you can have multiple gigs to keep you going Mm mm-hmm that didn't really exist in Seattle. I right. I had that I had a a very secure job, but it was I mean it gobbled up all the daylight. Yeah. Every day and that that was hard thing to accept especially when when the majority of your what you feel like life is spent in the dark. Yeah. Uh if it's going to go fast, I'd rather make it go fast in the sunshine and kind of 100% be hustling or something. Why did you you're from Long Beach though? Right. What what made you move up to the <laughs> Northwest and then come back? Another funny story. Okay, so th- this was probably right after 9/11. Um I was working in in Long Beach and um I just happened to have a, a gig up in Seattle where I was um you know it was, it was kind of like you know, doing like corporate entertainment, et cetera, kind mm-hmm. of similar to roadie stuff. But so I went to, do you remember the club? Uh, do you remember Graceland? Yeah. Back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. There, there just happened to be, I had a night off and I went to that bar and I met a girl and I'm like, I'm going to move here. And I moved to, <laughs> I moved to Seattle. I, I knew two people. <laughs> what the hell that could be a good enough reason sometimes hey man you know i don't know about you but the first time i i went to the northwest i was just in awe with the surroundings with the water the trees everywhere same the clean air it smelled like a christmas tree oh man all the time i'll never forget that and just just breathing in that clean crisp air it was amazing and uh yeah and it it was a perfect time for me to transition and and you know make a make a big life change and and i just did it 
and I've I've always just kind of been that way. That's that's all the reason you need, man. That's it. That's it. We're I think we both kind of did the same thing, honestly. Right? Yeah, I was I felt very lucky to be there. I hope I hope it doesn't sound bad when I talk about the darkness of Seattle because it was it was incredibly constructive for my attention. Right. There is a balance. Yeah. There is a balance. You know, it's like man, there 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 were some brutal winters up there that I remember and um you know, some but you can't have you can't have good times filled with light unless you have some dark times. Just unless you know the difference. That's right. It really ma- yeah, it makes me really appreciate it. I remember I think there was one day one winter I don't remember which which year it was. Well, the very first winter I was there, there was a storm. The first week that I got there, I didn't even have a place to live. I was crashing at my buddy's house who was on a business trip. Mm -hmm. And the power in West Seattle went out for like five days. What? It was gnarly. Do you remember what year? It would have been around 2006, I want to say. Okay. And it was, yeah, it was just like that. It was freezing cold. Right. Snow piled up everywhere and the buses were shut down. I I wouldn't matter. I wouldn't know my way around anyway. And and he was in another country uh, on an opposite schedule. And I just didn't know what to do. Hmm. I would, I would stand outside on the porch with the burner going on the outdoor grill uh-huh. and just like kind of keep warm during the day. Oh, and I curl up in the sleeping bag and, uh, I'd walk as far as I could to try and find like a store or whatever, but I couldn't even charge a phone. It was, it Wild. was, it was really crazy, just, but that wasn't, honestly, that was kind of fun when I think about it. It, it was an experience. It was an experience. It was yeah. a challenge. Yeah. But then one winter, I remember it, it, probably the next winter I don't think it was the same year it rained for 13 days straight mm. 13 days of rain yep and I I would go just, out to, I'm thinking about the wet moss and oh, everywhere yeah. and just oh, like yeah. the mud and do you remember when I lived up on Queen Anne oh yeah oh man it was so in a way it was kind of entertaining because you know like you would just hear buses or vehicles trying to either go up the hill or down the hill. (laughs) And then, you know, once the snow hits, everyone's bringing their toboggans and frying pans out to slide down the hill. It was a good time. There's a really great YouTube. I think um, it's like a montage of Seattle uh, car fails. Oh boy. Trying to drive on snowy streets. And I think somebody put it to like classical music or or something. It's really funny. How just, appropriate. Just cars crashing. Yeah. Really slow speed car crashes. It's it's quite funny. Um, I don't remember what tangent we got on there, but I I'm really happy to be in California. Okay, so what brought you back then? What brought me back? Well, oh, I remember when you moved back because you drove my van back, didn't you? When you moved out here for... I vaguely remember that, yeah. I think you brought my van back for me. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Dude, I totally forgot about that. What year was that? I don't know. That was was about the same time I moved out, I think. That would have been like... 2015, 16, something like that. Maybe it was, yeah. 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 So why... why, Yeah, I don't remember what what changed that. Here's what went down. I, you know, I had been on the road for the most part. 
um my friend gabe who i don't i don't think he met gabe um he's one of my lifelong buddies and uh yeah life partner yeah <laughs> and uh he and i went in on this uh little trailer right off of uh, pacific coast highways like hey do you want to you want to go in on this spot it doesn't have to be like a a full-time place it's really cheap and i was like it was probably wintertime in seattle so i <laughs> did not hesitate to say yes i was like oh, a crop yeah on the water like hell yeah so you know we've yeah that was about eight years ago so you ha- you've had that little trailer ever since then. yeah and um i just found myself spending more time down here than up there and it, it really didn't make any sense to have two places and um and also too by that time like you know my relationship with my fiance was developing and she lived in hollywood so oh yeah you know the commute was a little closer yeah to come, instead of coming from seattle i mean she would fly up once in a while but and um yeah then i just i i permanently just moved down here and um it's been a good time and uh, i do miss the northwest and you know there's a lot of great people still up there that you know that we both know and uh a lot of them moved here yeah that's I, right even tower is in sacramento i did not know that yeah good for him yeah yeah he's got he's got two kids now and it's wild like we were talking about our our friend's children the other day and it's it's time goes by so quickly and you're like oh yeah tom's kids they're teenagers now and <laughs> wrecking cars right <laughs> same with uh yeah like you know a couple other friends it's it's pretty wild from a distance to see like you know their offspring just totally all of a sudden become adults that's really the reference that blows my mind right. too is when they start growing up right and then you got to take a real good look in the mirror and yeah. you're like holy shit i'm the old guy now circle of life bro hakuna matata (laughs) lion kingdom yeah you brought up a good point there i wanted to circle back to oh yeah how did you get into the the road gig in the first place let's see okay so remember i told you when i first moved to seattle i went to that that club yeah okay graceland Uh, yeah i ended up getting a job there so that that's what kicked it all off yeah you know i had i had worked in some production and done like local local gig stuff down in la like coachella etc but um you know it had been a minute since i'd worked in a club and and uh worked for a promoter for a while and i still remember my first show in seattle at that club was this metal band called man of war and i was like Oh man, if if at least half the gigs are like this, it'll be okay. Like I'm this in. is this is going to be good. Yeah. And you know, just started developing a rapport with like a lot of the local bands and then um uh this band uh have you heard Death Cab for Cutie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Typical Seattle band, Ben Gibbard. That cetera. was like yeah. uh I mean, what would they call that? The Aughts. Uh You're early right. 2000s right, right, right. that they were there's nothing bigger than Yeah. Yeah, Soulmate's Body. Yes, yeah. that's right. Anywho, um, yeah, they they took a shine to me, and they're like, "Hey, you know, you know, if you ever want to get on the road, then then hit us up, and and we could use you." And I was like, "Sure enough." How like, big are those crews when you do that? Um, typically, the the tours that I would I would run with, you know, are anywhere from like three to five semis 
full of gear. Three to five semis. Yeah, yeah. And you're just always in a line, like, well, trucking along. Kind of, yeah. There's a little convoy, and then you know, it's like you sounds said, like, like the circus. Basic, basically, is yeah. That's a good comparison. And uh, yeah, you know, you peel a lot of miles, and you see a lot of truck stops. <laughs> I'll bet. Yeah. And but I've you know like I said it's it was great for me because I made a lot of really good lifelong friends um, through through touring and um, you know worked with bands from you know new like I was telling your wife I worked with a band from New Zealand and you know some bands from the UK and you know from the states and and um, just got the ball rolling and you know it's funny because like i in in the past like 17 years like i've never had to apply for a job right or like you know like oh like you know i gotta send in my my cv or anything it's just like basically like a handshake and and like you size a person up and like hey let let's do this like you know you'd be a good fit and off we go that is pretty yeah, cool. And make sure your passport's in order. And you can kind of, uh, I don't know, you have a lot of latitude to pick and choose who you sign up with too, don't you? That is true. And, you know, there's there's been some ups and downs, but I really don't have anything bad to say about, like, any artist that I've worked for, you know? But it really, you know, when you're working, say, with, like, big-name artists, like, I mean, you know some prominent folks and stuff, but... You know, when you're having just a face-to-face, they're just human. Oh, yeah. You know? And you learn to size up a person pretty quick. And, and you learn to strip down, like, just down to the essentials and, and, and really get to know how a person is and, and how they operate. I've always said that the road teaches you everything you need to know about someone. Oh, yeah. When you're traveling yeah, with, with you. someone, it's it will tell you if the marriage will work. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> if you can hold your own on the road. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes back to the partners I've picked in life as partners as friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, even my wife is it's your road dog snake. Yeah, that's right. Folks. Yeah. And I mean, meeting snake. I mean, I want to say that we were best friends in 10 minutes, you know, I believe and, that. and it was it was just like all boxes checked cool we're off to the races and that enabled you know meeting him enabled my life so much because i had bought this house before i left seattle i remember and before also before i ever moved into the china was planning on doing that but when he was like hey man i think you ought to come down here and let's build out the shop and do this thing Mm -hmm. in most situations that would have i would have really with most people I would say entered very cautiously into a relationship like that Mm -hmm. and would have really taken my time and been like, okay, it didn't even take me three seconds, which is really weird for me. But knowing snake, I knew that that we're going to have a good run. Let's just do this. Right. And, uh, yeah, there, I've been lucky that most of the people in my life now are distilled down to that equation. Right. I feel like the older that I've gotten, you know, my friend circle isn't isn't wide. I mean, we we know a lot of great people, 
and we have a lot of friends that we associate with and but just that that solid core of like just you know a handful of folks that that you talk to on a weekly basis or yeah. daily basis is you you learn to cherish that and know. there's nothing transactional about those relationships no never. it's just a desire to spend time together that's it that's, that's it. it and to always always help your brother out how crazy is it that you didn't know any of these guys before we went on this trip? Oh, no, they're all, I, I love them all. <laughs> it blows my mind that you didn't know any of these people before we left. I'm, I'm basically a hermit. The way that all came about, though, was, I mean, it was putting two camps together that mm-hmm. I knew were going to work really well. Because you had ta- called me... <laughs> about doing a video for the nonprofit. Right. And and I hadn't talked to you in a, quite some time. Uh, since DVR. Right, right. <clears throat> since DVR. And then um, Jason wanted to do a trip up the coast. And I started thinking, I was like, you know, I could put these two groups together. Mm-hmm. And this could be really, really good. Worlds colliding. Worlds yeah. collide. And I was just chuckling because it's so funny when you had invited me out i was like oh you know i i can't i really can't because i committed to this like sailing trip to the channel islands and stuff and it was funny because i was just i was off the coast of santa barbara i was on this boat and i'm like you know what i'm like fuck this how many opportunities do i get to hang out with with todd and and this ride sounds so awesome so i my buddy and i we were we were pulling into santa barbara and i'm like hey man i'm gonna take the train back home and go on this ride it's like cool man enjoy it <laughs> that's and there awesome. we go that is that's the most west coast thing i've ever heard right you're on a sailing trip off right. the coast on some islands yeah get a phone call <laughs> to go on a motorcycle trip right. and you go okay i'm bailing take me to the train station that's it I do remember that there was a point in the ride where you pointed over and you go, that's where I was when you that's called That's where me. my homies are at right now. <laughs> that's really yeah. funny. So when you go on those sailing trips, do you just sleep on the boat? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, do you go in inland uh, to grab supplies then? When you yeah. Go? I mean, it's, you know, like my sailing friends and stuff, they're, they're pretty free as in terms of like scheduling and and you know like their agenda it's like very casual good for them (coughs) bless you thank you yeah that's the way i like to be too but so it it is just like hitting the road on a mic you're sleeping on the boat you're trying to figure out where you got to dip into civilization to get some shit that's it oh that sounds so fun yeah that's it you know the there's a few movies that really inspired me too and and i have yet to watch the the movie that you're in that oh ladawana yeah. yeah ladawana i i really want to see it because obviously anything that's boat oriented right yeah but um there's a few no- notable movies one that really blew my mind was a movie called deep water and it's basically um about the first um circumnavigation by there was a race starting in the UK and I I think I mentioned a few things about it and uh, you know there was a tragedy in that race but there were also some huge achievements Uh uh-huh was it a documentary 
Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, what decade was that? Uh, this was in the mid '60s, I believe. Oh, cool. And, uh, some very notable sailors in that, and who have inspired me. It's like I basically took notes from that movie. I learned about Robert Knox Johnston. I'm sorry, Robert Knox Johnson, and um, and Bernard Mortissier, who was a, a French sailor. And basically, long story short, um, you know, there was there was a heat, and and the Frenchman was almost to the the home stretch, and he's 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 winning coming north, yeah, point. winning almost almost at the end of like lapping the globe. Holy shit. And then he decides, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to Tahiti. And he turns around and turns his boat towards Tahiti and that's didn't finish so the race. Baller. So Robert oh, Knox Johnson ended up winning the race, got all the notoriety. But in my eyes, the real hero was Bernard Motissier. A hundred percent. Yeah. And he's he's authored several books, which I will turn you on to. Yes. That are just, no, I've it, got to see this movie. It's, it's too. unbelievable to see, um, you know, to peek into the life of a sailor like that. And, um, and fortunately, there is a lot of maritime history that you can delve into and, and learn about, like, just, um, just amazing sailors. And, uh, yeah. You talk, I, oh man. Yeah, that's kind of blowing my mind. If you think about the history of wooden ships. Mm hmm. Versus the history of the internal combustion engine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and and to me, it all just boils down to the longing for exploration. Or, you know, the longing to seek out something. And, and that's always something that, circling back, that I've been into and that a lot of my close friends, it's, they're, they're always seeking out to do something. Um... My friend Gabe, who I mentioned earlier, you know, he was a huge inspiration for me to start getting into boats as well because he had crewed on a on a tall ship that um, he put a lot of work in, and uh, he ended up getting an ear infection in Asia and had to jump off the boat somewhere near Vietnam. But he left he a, from here. Yeah, he oh, left wow. from California, and uh, he had a busted eardrum, so he had to get that sorted out. Oh, but, that's miserable. Yeah, the sad news is the boat, which was a beautiful boat, ended up sinking off the coast of North Carolina. And that's the end of that. But, again, a cautionary from, tale. From what? What happened? Uh, it was a uh, captain's error, I think, is what they finally, finally figured out. Because uh, this captain, instead of playing the safe game, tried to ride out the storm oh. in this boat, which was very not well-equipped to take on like a, a hurricane oh my and, god uh, yeah that's a ballsy move yeah definitely and um again it's you know the dangers of of being in open water it's like something that you you cannot tempt mother nature you're taking on the most powerful force in the universe wow. feels like yeah to our understanding anyway yeah i mean i've i've sailed through some like rough water but not rough rough like heavy seas that you know and again it's like something that i just delve into is like just you know to watch and learn but you can look into like oh you know like katrina like what boat mishaps happened during that or like you know and it's just like there's all these crazy tales about these these boats that either survive or you know people that have circumnavigated and 
Yeah, it's amazing. You really have to know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. It's overwhelming. I just, just thinking about where to start. That day I was shooting. Thank God I had a camera in my hand when we were out sailing. Otherwise, I would have felt totally useless. You know, I was so worried that you were going to get lurched or that you were going to drop the rig. And I was like, (laughs) please, please don't let him drop this. That happened to us on Lottawana. Oh, boy. We lost a red camera. Oh, boy. Wasn't my fault. Do you know where it is still? No, we 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 got the camera back. It got, oh, okay. it got dunked so, so badly oh, when we sent it sent it back to got red. It, they didn't. It. Luckily, we had two on that film. But there was a point, or I, I'm just remembering this now. But I almost did capsize our little sailboat when there was like a 40 mile an hour gust that came up oh, out of boy. nowhere. In the yeah. Midwest, you can get these huge wind gusts right. that are powerful. Man, they right. knock over semi truck trailers, blow barns down, whatever. On this day, we happened to get one of those. I had the mainsail up in a camera boat next to me. So this thing about tipped into the camera, into the boat, camera boat that was shooting oh, on that side. And um, I remember trying to pull the cleat to the mainsail and I couldn't get it. And mm-hmm. someone had to come over and like wrestle it out. You know, and I was yeah, brand new yeah. to it. I was freaking out. The thing's almost over on its side. Oh, <laughs> but that's a tiny little well, sailboat. That's the good thing when you're learning on small boats like lasers or whatever. It's like, you know, you you fall over, but you learn to get back up. They, that's one of the things that they teach you is how to upright a boat. Once it's gone yeah. all the way over. Obviously, like if you're in a much larger craft, it's it's much more difficult to do. But that's, you know, that's why you have like a really long keel on some of these boats that are going into deep water. Do you counterweight the keel to? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Usually, you know, you have a decent amount of ballast in there to keep it level. It really is the most badass transportation. Flying, oh, yeah. flying's amazing, and right. uh, but it's so machine driven, right? And this oh, I agree. wind is just primitive, right? That's the that's the power of sailing is it feels so primitive, right? Like when you feel the ground tilt underneath you, mm-hmm. I suppose you tilt in a plane, but you're kind of strapped into it, and it's a different thing. You're not outside. <laughs> you're not outside. Yes. Yeah. Well, I hope you. Uh, you and the wife come back. I know you will come back out again. And, you know, we're coming up on summer. And uh, I've already yeah, been looking summer. at sailing shit. All like, I'm going to freak out. That Google strong on yeah, the sailing. Yeah, no, we'll side. get you uh, out on a couple different boats, too. I don't know, like a, a smaller sailboat with um, something that translates into... How many sails were on that one we were on? Well, it was a schooner, so... I mean, is that what makes a schooner a schooner is the number of sails? Well, I guess it's the, the sail geometry. Okay. You, know, you have like different types of, it's know, intimidating you, when yeah. you throw all those sails up and you look up and you're like, Damn. you know, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, you know, the first few times that I went on that schooner, it was, you know, it was a little challenging, but you know, as, as with the motorcycle, you learn all the idiosyncrasies and, and, um, the little bit of knowledge that you pick up goes a long way. It's and, true. It really and does. And you learn a lot by observation. We, in our motorcycle interests, I know you're into a lot of different bikes. Oh, yeah. You you really have like a, a very international knowledge of, of the bike stuff. Like I said, my motto is I know a little about a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
you've always been like that too right? i'm okay with whether that. it's like anything cars right? guitars uh, sure. Me, sure yacht rock trivia anything <laughs> yeah, yeah. i i really only do japanese and and american bikes right. but um they're so primitive that they translate over into almost everything because they're like the fundamental simplicity of an internal combustion engine. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the design the design aspect is great. And, and I love the history, you know. And I have to say, like, through the motorcycle community, gosh, like, I mean, countless of guys that, like, I've met through the years and whatnot, and even in passing, that just have just opened their doors to me and passed on knowledge or passed on parts or, or time. And that's what I love about, you know, our circle of friends and our, our extended circle of friends. And, uh, yeah, just looking back, you know, I'm going to take, I'm going to turn on the Wayback Machine, but I still remember, like, my buddy Mark Drews who is a he's a hermit up in Bend now <laughs> and um oh is he in Bend now yeah I remember like I met him like a block away from where I live now yeah in Long Beach and uh he had a shoebox Ford and I was into cars and, and we were both car guys and and I still remember like the first kind of weird janky like early 2000s panhead that he was working on uh -huh. <laughs> and and then his dad of course worked for bmc and, and and a lot of stuff so had passed down a lot of knowledge to him but you know to see where that guy went in the custom bike world legend and, oh man yeah and it's 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 pretty wild to to watch that journey but like I said, you know, there's there's a few other folks too that they all know who they are and have been just so close to my heart. Once it gets once it gets momentum and that ball gets rolling, it's just you just can't leave it alone. No. Yeah. If you one idea leads to the next and if you're stuck on thinking of it, the only thing you can do is act on it. Right. And I see that with Drew because he has a almost a linear there's a linear understanding when you look at the bikes that he's built right in the things that he was pursuing whether it was fins mm -hmm. or to narrow something or to you can always see where that idea started that he couldn't let go you know what was funny too is just like you know pre i mean this like we had the internet and whatnot but in those early days there wasn't a lot of knowledge or um resources out there just for choppers right and and i would have to say i still remember the first book that i got that had to do with choppers was the zero chopper spirit book from japan i don't have that one. Oh, okay. i need that one for my library noted all right but um because that, that was the zero engineering book right yes yes yeah. troy uh, had it though Oh yeah, and we used to stare out at it on his coffee table. Yeah, that was the one. And the the there's a shovel head. There was a small photo in the very back of the book, and and both Drews and I are like, that's the one, that's it, that's the look. And and you know he he ended up kind of styling his his shovel head, you know that had the a gold leaf tank, on it. Kind yes, of after I, that bike, which incidentally. Um, our good friend Harpoon painted in my backyard in Seattle. 
That's so funny. Yeah. I came home one day and there's just like gold leaf all over the, the back porch. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? It's a lot of gold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait, Harpoon painted that bike in Seattle. Right. But Drew's was in, he wasn't in the Northwest at that time, right? No, he wasn't. He was still down in Long Beach. No. Um, Harpoon at the time was, was metal flaking um, the roof on a Chevy that I had oh, up there and okay. just had some little leftover paint and you know, painted this paint set for Mark and it became an iconic bike. I don't know where, I think it's in Japan now. What know? a small world. Yeah. Because let me tell you about where I was when all this was going down, particularly when Zero Engineering put out that book. Mm-hmm. Um, this was right when I was getting to Seattle and pretty much stuck in my studio 12 hours a day. Did you ever come to my studio that was in K2? I shot a lot yes. of Dennis' yes. stuff up there. You I know, remember. it was one yeah. big dark box. I remember. And the only light up there are my strobes and my computer, you right. know, as I'm working. But I would get on online and I would be following the guys in California, right. what they were building, what they were up to, and there were there were these key blogs back then that you oh, yeah. go to it was Born so Laser. yes and then chikomoto chikomoto and it took me a minute to figure out that uh because i had met troy yeah i I've come <laughs> to find out i would meet him in ballard like right right after that and be like oh you're chikomoto oh that's funny that's great yeah and and he was at in that day when he started chico he was riding around his xs650 i remember that bike that was a cool bike it was an e-bike yeah totally transformed like a zero engineering bike because he had been staring at that book you want to talk about troy for a minute i would love to okay i'll tell you about how we met yeah like you you know i was was on the daily blogs and looking for inspo and stuff and um we met I was living up on Capitol Hill at the time, and uh, yeah, I used to chain up my Jenny shovel. Now I'm kind of an idiot thinking about it back then, but yeah, I used to just chain it to the front of my building. <laughs> like, you, you know, and, you and like, whatever. Both. Yeah. Like, it's it's a bike, you know, whatever. And um, so I would, I would, you know, like, like anybody else in, in our circle, like, you know, you hear a Harley go down the street, you look out the window. Yeah. And I would always see Troy, like, riding by. I'm like, oh, okay. And then, you know, I had some friends um, down in Georgetown, like my friend AJ, who had Lucky's Troopers back in the day. And I think I, yeah, I remember seeing Troy's Panhead when he was building it in Georgetown. Over at uh, English Andy's. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And um, I'm like, oh, this is, this this bike's got the look. It's going to be something. Okay. And then sure enough, like a couple months later, like, um, yeah, I met up with Troy right about when he got his, uh, the Jenny shovel. He had just gotten that. Psychopath. From, from Huntington Beach or, Beach or somewhere. Oh, is that where he got it? Yeah. Okay. Because I remember he told me the story about how the bike owner wanted to set up Troy with his daughter. <laughs> you should date my daughter. Because both Troy and I at the time were, uh, were single. We had both gone through some breakups and. So, you know, we were both good shoulders to cry on. And yeah. it's good to have like a bro, like to just, he was you the have bro best. Time, yeah. You know, and he lived like, you know, a, a, just a couple blocks away from me. And that little tiny ass garage, man, we spent so much time in there. That would have been 
Was that pre-Nikki or is that Nick, when, when Nikki bro- when yeah, he broke when yeah. they broke up? When they broke up. Yeah. I know exactly the time yep. that you met him. Yeah. We both met Troy at the exact same time. There we go. When the bike was on the lift at English Andes. That's funny. And I remember the first day I went over there. Well, I had met him in Ballard before that, before he got his pan head, and he was mm-hmm. still on his XXS. But I, I didn't put two and two together till later. Yeah. Um. After he got the pan. Right. And, uh, you know, because English Andy's garage was a quarter mile away from my work and less than a mile from my house. It was all right there in that hub. I was starting to figure out who everyone was. Mm -hmm. And so when we went in there, you know, Andy's doing his thing. You know, like just being Andy. And Troy comes up and we're staring at the bike. I thought it was English Andy's bike. He's like, oh, it's not my bike. I don't do choppers. And. Troy kind of fires back a little bit. I'm like, who are these fucking dudes? And then uh, Troy starts working on the pipes. And I remember him going, he's like, do you think I'll get, you know, in trouble if I, you know, for loudness, if they can't see a, a baffle or, or in here? And, you know, Andy's like, ah, oh, fuck no, mate. What are they going to do with it? I remember that whole thing going down and looking at those pipes. I'm like, those are really cool pipes. That bike sounded bitching. It yeah. did, man. Everything you did. I hope it's that. in good hands. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. I do too. We auctioned, we made a, made a good. I remember that. Good yeah. amount of money for, and, and that, that did, if you look at my shovel head, mm-hmm. it's kind of a ripoff of Troy's bike. Oh, I knew that right away. Yeah. yeah the, the, the stance. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 I, I knew where you pulled inspiration. Exactly. From. Cause he was building that thing and I was. Right. I had that shovel project. Like, I hadn't chopped the frame yet, but I was like, oh, man, I got to do something like this. You know, it was funny to me, mentioned going back to your bike, like, you you know, I was looking at it, and the other day, well, not the other day, but, you know, ways back when I was like, I pointed out the passenger pegs. I'm like, oh, those are really cool passenger <laughs> pegs. Like, I, I always run those, and you told me, you're like, I got those from you. <laughs> Full circle. The Aramaki pegs. That's it. They're the best. That's one of the fun thing about about my bikes that uh, that's super special is that all almost all those parts have a memory of someone. Right, kind of like stone soup, you know. Like yeah, a, yeah. I mean, my on on my shovel head at the time, the tail light was a birthday present from Dennis. Right, and I think you may have sold me that fender actually probably on the shovel yeah, and um the the headlight that's not on there right now but the headlight that actually goes with that bike is a different lamp um it's just not bright enough for out here mm-hmm. on a dark night so i have this other one on there now i but remember the original the, one the, the original that goes on there kind of square one this yes yeah, yeah that it's like half red half white right, right. that was a really fun day at the swap meet with DePaulo, and we got both those and we split them <laughs> so he got the other one and right. that that went on another bike and just you know all those little things i remember i remember playing when i was making the pipes gosh yeah uh Fucking Keo and I played a game of baseball in the shop with the pipes. He's like, "Oh, you make baseball bats?" Because they were they were straight, and he picked them up and started swinging. I grabbed a tennis ball and was throwing it, and he was hitting it across the shop. It was it was what just a, yeah. so many good memories. Yeah. And uh, same thing with the pan hit. 
you know, the panhead is is like a lot of swap meet parts from Kansas and just a really good time. In fact, when we were shooting Lotawana on the days off, I'd go back home and um, at that time I hadn't sold my parents' house yet and I'd go back to that part of the state and work with the Wyckoffs in the garage at night. That's right. And I, yeah. I pretty much built that frame That's and put right. that bike together yeah. there. They, they taught you a lot of things, I feel like. And they should, I'm, should I'm so still glad do. that you documented that because as always, I was always stoked for you. You know, and that's the thing too. It's like you have a relationship with a friend and, you know, you don't catch up with them too often, but that's, that's the great thing about social media is like, you know, you can get that satisfaction of knowing that, that, you know, your peeps are, are doing well or, you know they're inspired by something or you know and and you've always been that type of person to just like like share like the interests or the things that you've been doing and not in a boastful way ever but in a way that like you know you're just on full stoke oh man you know all the time well it's it comes full circle too because that's what got me started on all this and paved the way for my life was the accessibility to seeing the examples of the way people were doing it or the lives that we're living. Well said. And I, and I think that it's perpetual. And if I can catch some younger, it's just like the sailboats right. down at the yard. It's like if you can get a kid's interest a little bit earlier before they get caught by something else in right. the tech world or whatever, you can really pave a way. Yeah. And in some ways, I wish I, wish I would have started a lot earlier. Oh, don't we all? You know, I mean, I wish, you know, my dad and I always talked about buying a building in Kansas City and and try and just building out a a work, live workspace and trying to figure that out. And I ended up doing that much later in life with Snake in L.A. But I always wondered back, it's like, you know, if I would have started down this path instead of taking the easy route it's not an easy route, but taking the safe route. Who knows what that eight years would have done? Right. I've got no regrets. Like I really love the path that I that I went on, and honestly, Seattle was. I mean, you're sitting here. It's like some That's of the greatest right. friendships I've ever That's had right. in my life. Yeah, I look back fondly on my time in the Northwest, and and um, yeah, I can't. It, it was almost yeah, like over about 17 years. I I was up there, and, and like I said, great memories, and still a lot of good friends there, and. You know what else comes full circle? Did you, did you know that Jason is from Kansas City? I had no idea. Yeah. And, I mean, I always knew that. But I realize now I can remember, and I'm going to tell him this, mm-hmm. but I remember him. Oh, really? <laughs> in wild. Kansas City, running into him several times at different events yeah. now. And it, it took me how many years right. and how many miles of riding motorcycles with him to be like, holy shit then you, hit you you knew so and so so you ran with that crew right. i was like we would have been at the same parties in lawrence and right. you know it's oh, wild really, it's really funny man speaking of not to be a downer but i just have you ever seen the movie the day after no oh boy heavy movie very heavy uh came out in 1983 i believe but has to do with nuclear war but oh, God. Yeah. it's based in Lawrence in Kansas City. Oh, really? Yeah, that's where they filmed it. And uh yeah, you 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 should watch I've it. I've got to watch it's, it. Then. It's 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 a really interesting watch and you know, just w- with the the current world situation <laughs> right now, I've just been down this like 
So obviously the Russians are a part of that story. Got to be a little. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then of course, you know, and it's just like, um, but so I've been going back to watch like old films that I remember like atomic cafe, (laughs) another one called threads, which is, you know, they can't all be like good, happy movies. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Here's, uh, here's a fun one. Yeah. Six string samurai. Oh, I remember it completely. I know exactly the movie you're talking about. Six Stream. It. it is my yeah. hands down my favorite. Very unknown cult. Yeah, very unknown cult movie. Like uh, I remember it because I'm a movie nerd. But yeah, that was one of those. Um, that was one of those in, like super inspirational indie films mm-hmm. for me. Because when I was in when I was going to school, I, I dug into like some of these cult looking up budgets and of trying course. to figure out what I wanted to oh, do. Oh, of course. Yeah. And that's how I found it. I was like, what the fuck? That's a great one. And that, it was amazing. Yeah. I was just, you know, and it's funny because I talk about movies from that era, say like a uh, repo man. Yes. You know, Alex Cox is probably one of my favorite all time directors. And, and I like, I like turning movies like that onto like the younger generation. Like, yes. I'm really bored with the formula. Right. I'm so bored by it's it's such a waste of time. Yeah, there it it takes a lot for me to get out and see a a, a blockbuster movie, let yeah. alone you know anything um there there are a couple movies that have come out like uh, Nomad for instance. I I thought was brilliant. Yeah. I, I, I love that movie, but um Wait, Nomad or Nomadland? Nomadland. Yes. Excuse me. Yes. I loved that film. Oh beautiful movie did you see the writer but writer? yes i i immediately like picked up and saw everything from that director her God, name escapes me but is she she has the formula to me that's yeah. those are the movies i want to make those are right. the movies i want to watch coincidentally ladawana is very similar okay. and we made that before she made the writer oh wow interesting we, yeah we had and and so the formula it, it's very different than America, than what the, you know, the typical marketable film is, hundred percent. And so her movies, even though we made it before uh, the writer or before Nomadland, it didn't get its opportunity until she broke through the gate right. with that kind of film. Right. And then years later, twenty twenty two, here we are the world has a, a, a thirst or a hunger for that kind of film. I, I it really helped us. I believe us. that um, in cinema, when you have uh, unknown actors or people that, you know, because that's, that's her thing. I know she likes to use a lot of people and base stories around true human experience. Yeah. And that resonates with me. And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a great formula to tell a story is to just just pick out a person it could be any person in the street that you see you see a glimmer and then you you delve into that and you can find some amazing intriguing content from just a single individual i'm so happy to hear you say that i really want you in my lifetime to turn the dial in that direction right with the art that i make that isn't formulaic or predictable right. and that seeks to represent or an accurate exposition of the human experience to the point where it doesn't involve 
a recognized face and the lead character is emotion. Agreed. And I think we're so celebrity driven in our worship and hunger for this kind of almost like sick voyeuristic thing into this world that most people will never be a part of it. It's fueling the regurgitation of franchise bullshit. It's, it's, it's getting old. I mean, we're, but if you think about it, um, people that are younger than us that's that's kind of all they know that cinema is I, that's so sad to me it is isn't it i think they have a if they if they want to dig in they'll have a great journey discovering right. what's been done right but you know if you're just getting into it now and all you do is wait for the next thing to come out how long before you're like i've seen this <laughs> yeah or the story just seems so familiar yeah you know it's like another hero movie yeah like, you know another a uh, buddy cop movie or you know rom-com couple thoughts here yeah i will wait my entire life to make that but i would love to make too far gone into a feature film but only if it's exactly what we just talked about okay and i mean if if it never becomes a movie because you the people come along and they're the wrong people and they want right. to turn it's never going to happen it's it's a very fine line that i think that you have to walk in order to retain the integrity of your vision yes yes that's a really good way to put it man yes it's a really good way well to put i it. i hope it comes to fruition and i i i hope you achieve that goal well, thanks and man. um yeah we need to have some movie nights because man I'm I'm stacked and I'm sure you're stacked and we we first thing I'd love to see and um, listen to you experience is follow following C's that documentary oh, I yeah. told you about yeah oh yeah you're gonna love it can I ask you in high school give me an example of like a super influential movie that you oh, hold close to your heart I can now. tell you obviously there were the the, the basics which were um like Indiana Jones as a oh, little yeah. kid, you know, the, the Spielbergs, you know, the, the back to the future culturally the, right. that got me into skateboarding. Right. Uh, and also into cars coincidentally. Okay. Cause I was five when that came out and wow. all I knew about cars were this car called the DeLorean. Right. And I became obsessed. Oh, with interesting. That. Yeah. Okay. When I was little and, and that was a modern car at the time. Right. That was right. just that whole thing with, DeLorean had just gone down and uh with the booger sugar yes yes <laughs> what hey, a man. badass story Des man. desperate times call for desperate measures I and guess as a businessman you got to be like well the guy he, he rolled the dice he rolled the dice yeah, yeah I can respect that incredible story didn't really pick onto that but I really got turned on to cars that way okay but okay outside of that in high school so you know that was five then and right. and my parents didn't let me watch a lot of movies and the ones they I'm sorry yeah because it was it was like a you know they were very conservative and uh, my mom was very cautious about those kind of things and my older sister though would you know she would uh she'd let me watch like breakfast club with her or oh, whatever classic yeah and and so classic. then i i had a little window into the pop culture of the right. day that way yeah talk 
just real talk about a human experience director john hughes yes oh god i think every teenager can identify with at least one of his movies i'm curious now i should look it up how old he was at the time when he made say i'm not sure yeah i'd be curious to know because he translated that so well right and to the rebelliousness and bringing in the different countercultures obviously the outsider spoke to me like a lot oh yeah because it was a little more advanced and dark and and sad but i connected with it somehow Mm -hmm. and and that was that was an awesome film i remember stylistically looking at the way the two sides dressed the you know and i I was thinking oh yeah and that that really made me you know obviously the greasers were the heroes so I really wanted to dress like that. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because that kind of ties into my first high school movie that I really took a shine to, and that was Quadrophenia. Oh, shit. I, what I year hold... was that? Quadrophenia came out in the late 70s. I forget. You, you just, I just forget that you have a decade on me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I forget that all Old the time. I here. think we're the same age. No, I just look good. <laughs> you sure fucking do, man. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. Anywho, but yeah, that that whole story of like the you know the teenage click, you know, and yes. like identifying. But funny enough, Quadrophenia, that movie, that was that planted the seed for me to get into two stroke Vespas. That's right. You and were into Vespas that, for a while. That started, my, and that's funny because that's how like Mark and I both like kind of jumped into like vehicles. Is like Mark was like coming out with these. He, one time, Mark had an all chrome GS scooter. Like he was the cock of the walk. Like I mean, like, yeah, this guy from Norwalk. But anyways, it's a yeah. So it's funny for me to look back at that movie and and identify with like the lead character like struggling you know through his angst and stuff and he's like fuck it you know i'm gonna get on my scooter and i'm gonna go to the coast and and i was like man i want to do that that's so funny i'm trying to think um okay it's so much later like the comparison this would be by comparison a blockbuster to that day Fight Club came out when I was a senior in high school. Oh, dark. Dark as fuck. But it showed me what movies were capable of. Oh, yeah. And it made me want to go to film school. That's awesome. It was so inspirational to me. And and also, I had been... This is is really funny. Um, I may have spoken to this before, but I read Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance that same year in high school. Okay. And... When I saw Fight Club, I go, holy shit, they made Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance into a movie, and it's called Fight Club, because they play the same mind trick on you. A lot of similarities. I can see. I can see. That's, that's, an, that's an interesting approach on, on comparing the two. But yeah, so, so by itself, yeah. without having read Zen uh, at that time, and just seeing Fight Club by itself, I don't know if it would have done that to me. Mm-hmm. But since I like the two were there right beside each other, right? I, I was I made that connection, and I think it was extra powerful. Oh yeah, rest in peace, Bob. Right? I know. Yeah, yeah. God, Meatloaf's character in that movie really threw so me for good. a loop, and it was secretly it was kind of nice to see Jared Leto get beat up. 
That dude, he hasn't talking about looking good for his age. He hasn't aged a day. I think he he made a deal with Satan. I mean, that's the only way I feel like you can do that. Doesn't he own an island or something? I don't know anything about the guy. Full circle back to, uh, you know, because he was in a band with his brother, Thirty Seconds to Mars. Oh, that's right. He has a musical career as well. I'm not going to say anything bad about them. I'll leave it at that. You don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> you said enough. Uh, that I never, I never even thought about that, man. There yeah. are a lot of celebrities that jump, jump around like that. Some good, some bad. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, Rocco, who's doing the music I for love Rocco. What did you think about the music for this? Isn't it so? Oh man, he it's just, just it's he so just nails the mood. Oh god, he's so good. You know, yeah, he's I, so fucking. Yeah, good. I'm I'm happy I got to see him and. The last thing he said to me was like, we need to go on a ride together. So I hope that the three of us get to do that. It'll happen out here. Um, Actually, in April, he's going to come out because um, this is what I was going to say. He's going on tour with... um, With Johnny? uh, No. uh, Different band. Okay. Different band. Okay. Well, he's going on tour. (laughs) This is a way to connect connect a couple dots. (laughs) He's after it. Lost Boys. Oh. I was in love with Lost Boys okay. uh, as a kid from high. We're talking right. about a high school movie right. that was just like, whoa, the bikes that they were on. I had this little. Oh, man. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. Things? Dude, weren't they XRs? Yes. Yeah. Tough. So bitching. That whoever. look. I was like, man, I want it like I want like top ramen, long hair and like yeah. a battle coat. Like a ride, cape. Riding an XR, hanging upside down coats. in a cave. Oh, so cool yeah very it, inspirational movie it was keith Kiefer sutherland that's who he's going Kiefer. on tour oh, okay with. cool uh sees uh does like country country folk i stuff. had no idea that he was musically inclined but that's awesome he's actually really good he's played okay. the grand old opry a handful of times all oh, right the ryman yeah, yeah and okay. and so he's doing a tour with him right on with him but he comes back in april and we have to finish his episode. Okay. And when we do that, that may be a great time for you to come back out. Sure. And we'll ride yeah. panheads. Yeah. I'm thinking we'll go down to the Sultan Sea and. Oh, that'd be great. You know they're gonna yeah they're I want to go down there and look at uh, if they have it they're they're planning on cleaning that up. Oh really? And they want to introduce a marina. Interesting. Yeah. So Very I kind of want to get down there before they start breaking ground. Have you seen that. footage of like in the fifties when it used to be like a resort? It looked of? like paradise. Yeah. There was a, there was a lot of money flowing through the Salton Sea. It was stylistically the coolest architectural time. I Agreed. feel like. I feel like you can even still see some remnants of like some mid century, like you can like you know, like buildings, homes, whatever. But signs. Yeah. Like there's some signs with that you can tell had all yeah. the neon and stonework and right. metal and glass. Gosh, I haven't been there in ages, but I I actually spent the night like in the water on a boat in the Salton Sea before. Really? Yeah, we were fishing for Corvina and um I don't know if that's fish you want to eat, man. No, they actually all died overnight because we had them in a catch cage, <laughs> okay. and uh, they died from lack of oxygen. So uh, I'm I'm sorry, fishes. But well, that's the thing; they die anyway there. I guess so. Yeah. That's the. Uh, have you noticed that the shoreline isn't sand? 
It's fish right. bone. Yeah, yeah. It's a very it's it's just like milled bone. Yes. You know? It looks like white sand though. Wild. It's it's one of my favorite places to uh to go ride a motorcycle around. Okay. It's so I, I've trippy. never done that, so I look forward to that. You know, there is also I don't want to give this away. <laughs> I'm going to fuck it. Have you, heard, have you heard of Eagle Mountain? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. Massive mine. Oh, okay. Out on, I guess it would have been on, like, south of, on the 10, south of the 10, uh, deep in the desert. That was a town. Okay. And they built the town around this mine as they do the corporation. Right. And it had schools and uh grocery stores everything a town would have built by an industry and uh the mine went under just as quickly as the the town was put up Mm -hmm. and everything left and they just put a fence around it and walked away that's wild there's security out there i've been to the fence okay uh but i want to get in there Hmm. because it's all that old architecture that we were talking about right bring the security guy some donuts and uh I was, I mean, how lonely is that right. gotta be yeah. just hanging out garden, a, a ghost town. And I heard about it through, through yeah. Dugan because he's worked on movies out there. Okay. They use it. That's pretty much, I think all they use it for now. Do you remember the first ghost town that you went to in California? Oh, that's a good, oh, let me think about this. While you think about it, I'll tell you mine. Calico. Down on the border? No, that's Calexico. Yeah, that's Calexico. Yeah. No, Calico. I haven't heard of Calico. It's a pretty wild town. I mean, it's um very preserved, but went there in the eighties, like as a kid, and and still remember it vividly. What's left? Oh, there's a few buildings. I mean, there's probably like maybe a dozen people that live in the town still. I don't know. There could be zero now, but um, I I met a guy that really made an impression on me. He lived in the town, and he was a gunsmith and and a blade. Like, you know, a knife, knife maker. maker. I held my first gun. Oh, wow. That would be pivotal <laughs> yeah. for sure. And then I was pretending to fan it, you know, like they do in the cowboy movies. Oh, yeah. And like, the guy's like. So it was a revolver. Yes. And yeah. he's like, they never did that. <laughs> Don't ever do that with a gun. And my first gun lesson. And then I remember he had some samurai swords that he had crafted. And he oh, we got to go find this Wrap guy. the hilt in like a stingray skin. And just super intricate. I, I remember it vividly to this day. And this was probably 1984. Holy shit. And I still remember holding that blade and, and feeling that stingray leather in my hand. And and just wondering, like, wow, this guy just lives by himself out in this dusty town and makes these wonderful things. I wonder if that's what got you into esoteric things and craftsmanship it, it, it probably touched me in a way that uh that you know isn't that isn't that interesting like you know the impressions that people make on you even in passing yeah through your childhood and through adulthood and and you never know like where that just that that simple interaction is going to veer someone's course but that's that's why i love ghost, ghost towns because there's there's you find a lot of interesting, even like artifacts. Like, you know, you, you think about like, you know, the people that had once lived in, in the town, say like Gold Point, for instance. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, lovely town. 
that place is eye-opening. It's probably one of the better preserved ghost towns. I'd have to say so. Where we should go right out to Calexic or to Calico. Calico. Yeah, let's do that. It. Would be a great yeah. trip. Yeah. So what's it close to? I don't think it's that far. Let's look. See, this is how it happens. This is how the shape in the, of in the works. Is. Here That's we go. Right. Um, I remember going to Rhyolite. But technically, that's California-Nevada border. Mm -hmm. That might have been the first ruins that I've seen, that I saw. Mm -hmm. How far? Zero internet. Oh. <laughs> I forgot we're in the middle of nowhere. No, no, let me look. You look it up. Calico, California. Dude, it's one hour, 38 minutes away. Oh, that's a quick ride. It's 93 miles. How did I not know about this? There we go. Okay, so you go up to Lucerne. <laughs> Dude, done. That's what we'll do in April. Killer. I like it when a plan comes together. We'll go find this guy in the samurai swords. That would be cool if he's still alive. <laughs> and maybe I'll see if we can get Spencer and Jason and Pete sure. back on that ride too. Get the gang back, yeah. I, you know what I love about them? They like That's to go to bed early. Yeah. <laughs> and they like to get up and ride their motorcycles. I mean, we, we love our party crew boys, but yeah, we're, we're like the... We're like the low speed boys, mm. you know. No, they can have that, and it's all good. Oh, it is yeah. totally. It makes for really good footage. Oh, I'm sure. When I just said that, oh man, and when so after this episode, mm -hmm. I'll start on Tom Jones's episode immediately. Oh, great! But I I got a lot of really good Ryan Grossman footage. <sighs> the king Grossman at his best. Oh man. He's just he, nothing but love for that guy. Nothing but love. He's so driven. I learn a lot from Grossman. Yeah, and in, in every way possible, socially, uh, mechanically, just he's such a fun dude to follow around. I hear he's a hell of a snowboarder. I think he used to live on Big Bear. Yeah. Yeah. Now, a lot of these, a lot of these guys, you know, Austin is a great snowboarder. Austin, my yeah. man. Yeah. I hope to see him. Maybe we'll drop in on him. Let's drop in on him sure. today. Just surprise him. I haven't seen him uh, since his baby was born. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Because there was like a time period there where you can't meet the of kid. Course. And, of and course. And so we just haven't overlapped since then. Yeah. But yeah, that group of guys on the last trip was just, uh, you know, they, they have their own little crew. I feel like they've, they've really, they've. Spencer's having a kid. They right. got their houses at the same time right. and, and built their garages out. And that's it. They've really kind of come into their yeah. own. And I saw him at the at the last Long Beach swap meet. Spencer? Yeah, a couple like a month ago. Yeah, because nice he was building him. his panhead. That's right. I actually, I think I sold him some oil lines. Yeah, well, those are probably on his bike. There we go. That's the way it works, right? He's probably just the most effortless, funny character I know. Yeah. That was that was a good bro matchup. I'm I'm super thankful, and I still am that you included me in 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 that ride, and that little bunch, because you know it was coming out of COVID too. It was, it was the perfect thing to for me to just get out of my element and put some distance on the bike. Yeah, you know? we pounded some pavement. That was and, fun. Uh, yeah. The, you just had to pull the trigger, man. That was it. That's like I'm it. so glad you jumped off that right? boat. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, how long are we in here? Yeah. Hour thirty. That's kind of a short one. I mean. Okay. What else? What else you got? 
What's oh. what's on the horizon? Married life, you know. Yeah, that, that yeah. is that is exciting. Big step, yeah. First time, last time. End of the month. End of the month, you're gonna be there. You got your tux picks down? Hell no, dude. I don't know what I'm wearing. <laughs> I got I got to figure that out. I got too. the songs picked out. I'll so bet you so too. come early and listen to my playlist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yacht rock all night. No, 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 no. And you're gonna see you're gonna see some friends there that you haven't seen in quite some time. So I'm looking forward to that. That is the thing about weddings that uh, I don't know. Like Nick and I never had a wedding, right? Um, well, we, you did, but you just had it at the courthouse. Yeah, we just had it at the courthouse, right. but the. the I kind of forget that the thing about a wedding is getting people together. That was, that's it. I think that was the most important thing for us is to celebrate with our family and friends, you know, and, and regrettably, and I, and it still tears me up because, you know, if I could invite another hundred people, I totally would, you know, with your friend circle. Oh my God. Gosh. Yeah. And you know, with COVID it was, you know, a little sad because I know some people they couldn't make the journey from like Japan or you know yeah. wherever, and and that's okay. But I know a lot of people will be there in spirit, and um, you know we're fortunate to have the friends that we do. I know. Is your uh, your family is in Long Beach? Still? No, my family's scattered. Well, my sister is is in Long Beach, fortunately. So yeah, she's she's my main link. And does she have a family of her? Yeah, own? I have three nieces and. They're all college age now, oh, which okay. is great. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, I mean, it's like yesterday they were like three and six. Yeah. What a reality check. Yeah. And it's great. It's, it's super fun for me to interact with them as adults. My nephews are growing up too. They're all, they're both teenagers. And, right. You know, I, I go such long times without seeing them, but my sister's the only one I got left. Yeah. My is she back in KC or? Uh, Topeka. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Close. Which is kind of a hard town to go visit. There's not a lot that's tough going on. Yeah, I can vouch for that. I've been yeah. through there. Yeah, but there, uh, you know, I talked to her yesterday, mm-hmm. and um, they want to come out this summer. That I, would be awesome. I think that what a what a life changing trip it will be for those young adults. That's what I'm planning on. And right. they came out when the kids were younger, and they still talk about it. Yeah, I never, I never got that. I never left the Midwest, the furthest I got was to Colorado as a kid, even yeah. through high school. Let me, let me I'm going to, I'm going to throw on the way back machine, but then just give you a little dial uh, it back, like a little, little story. But I remember like growing up in California and I was probably 12, 13, something like that. And we went back to New York for a wedding with my family. And the grandparents, you know, like everybody in one car. And all I can remember is just like looking at the surrounding areas, like the trees and stuff and just being like, I wish I could run away and get an ATV and just like live in these woods, just like going down like I-95 and being like, oh man, I could, I could live in those trees. I remember doing that too. You know, reading books like My Side of the Mountain. Yeah. some hardy boys yeah just adventure you know and and it's funny like looking back at that that exact moment like you know i think about it now and it's like you know that that feeling of like seeking out adventure or like seeking out new things is just it's never left me me neither that's the same with all my friends there we go that uh, that still seek that when i 
very young age, we lived on the edge of town. And before I go there, I will say, like, I did take a formative trip like that with my family when I was a kid. We went to Yellowstone National Park. Right, right. And that's when I realized I got to get the fuck out of Kansas. Right. Because this shit is You probably never even got to see mountains. No. Yeah. No, that, I mean, when we, I will never forget seeing the front range of the Rockies for the first time. And it's Epic. sinking in how big that shit was. Yeah. I was, I was just, and then there was snow at the top of them. Right. And this is in summertime. I'm like, what? The, there's we could go into snow up there. How wild! But it just un it Mind unwound something. You. And yeah. Uh, but we lived on the edge of town, and there was an oil refinery um, that had. Uh, train lines coming in and out of it and they mm-hmm. hauled a lot of coal or coal cars that came through there all the time and there were a lot of uh you know we would call them hobos back then oh yeah but they would ride the rails i love i love the thought of riding the rails i've never done it but man how inspiring dude it shaped my life when i was a kid because have you ever hopped a train Right, I well, not for far, but that's what we did okay. for fun as kids. That's awesome, just in, to get across town. And just stuff. to get across town and out to the cool oil refinery. Yeah. The furthest we took it would, I can't even remember. The, the f- we never took it further than it took to walk back home. Okay. And we always knew going this direction, the train would stop at the refinery so right. we could get off and walk. Otherwise, you got to yeah. jump off a train if you're going the other way. If it doesn't a stop, scary. Yeah, yeah, a little more scary. So we only took yeah. it one way, but um, those lines would bring in people off the trains behind my house, like and they straight up legit. Homeless. Yeah, yeah. And they'd camp out in the woods, and I'd see yeah. their fires burning back there. And my mom was terrified of them. Of course. Yeah. So she really planted it in my head to be scared of these people, you right. know. And but it only sparked my curiosity right and i would fucking sneak through the woods and try and get a look at them and i beca- i kind of became obsessed and what i realize now and i wrote an article about this for easy rider not that long ago but that was if i tr- if i take it all back that is what lit the fire for travel in me defining moment mm-hmm. was yeah. that forbidden nature of these these transient characters there you go and um what's really interesting is i looked at them as these grown-ups like they were so much older and almost i looked at them as old people i'm much older than they were then because these were kids were you and i like having a conversation about the gathering of the hobos that that yearly thing that they have like the hobo king yeah yeah. I think we were. Okay. Yeah. yeah during the ride. Yeah. We were talking about that. Yeah. Cause you gotta, you gotta watch this movie. I gotta find it for you first, but it's called the last American hobo. Oh my God. I gotta watch and that. The footage is just like, it's, it's great. I was really that, um, that hobo culture from particularly from the thirties and forties oh, yeah. was what got me in also into photography, uh, hmm. because of the, all the great photography from that era that right. was done um, started figuring out cameras around that time, yeah. and it incorporated a lot of my interests. Very cool. And uh, 
I, I never I never hopped trains. I, I think I caught I caught onto motorcycles so early that my mm-hmm. interest kind of swung before I was old enough to really do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because literally what we used to ride on our little dirt bikes, once we got dirt bikes, it's probably about 13, 12 or th- wow, 13. Lucky. Oh, totally lucky. Yeah. And that my parents like let me do that. I was right. the first kid in the neighborhood to get that, get one. And then once I broke through, oh, wow. every kid in the neighborhood had that. And we had our little, like, derelict bike gang. Little Lost Boys. Little Lost Boys was exactly what we wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And um, the railroad tracks and the uh, the access roads to them were what we always played on. That's so cool. But that hobo culture, uh, train hopper culture, was what really, uh, those those Im- those vivid images are what I was... I, basically been pursuing my entire life <laughs> that's very cool <laughs> yeah if you want to go down this k-hole there's on youtube there's a lot of train hoppers that they'll record the voyage you know like they'll, yeah. they'll jump the train and be like oh yeah this one's going to like you know this is this is the santa fe line that's like going to arizona yeah you know and uh and then they just it's just straight up like camera footage of the train. I love it. Tower's wife Sonia mm-hmm. was I a train. She her. she hopped trains. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, for years. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was pretty common. I feel like in the Northwest. Very you know? well, a lot of yeah. lot of line, lines converge right, there, and right. you have Great Northern Line. The Great Northern Lines. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of cool because you know getting into music. There's who is it? Burl Ives, I think, is like he he does a lot of songs about hobos. He's like kind of a train songs, singer. yeah, train songs. Yeah. Um, there's one song that I really like called "The Wabash Cannonball." Do you know that country song? No, or maybe I do, and I just don't know yeah. the name. If of you it. heard it, I'm sure you would know. It's been covered by a lot of people. But how cool is it? People that were too poor to even afford transportation and stuff. You know, they had like thirty cents in their pocket, and they're like, "I'm gonna go west." They figured it out. That's it. Did you read any um, Edward Abbey novels? Uh, back in the day, I I, I probably you did. probably like, read yeah. Monkey Ranch Gang. Yeah, or Monkey something. Ranch Gang is good. Yeah. yeah, but I should pick it up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that author. Some of his nonfiction, he talks about riding trains as a kid. Okay. And this one time, he uh he rode a train all the way to the Southwest to the desert. And he remembered seeing the mesas and oh, stuff for the first cool time. Is that? Yeah. That reminds me speaking of the Southwest. Um, and I always, I try to turn people onto this character because he is such an inspiration to me, Charlie Lummis. And, um, he is, he is, well, he was known in circles in LA. And if you go, what 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 decade? What when, when eighteen eighteen eighties? Holy 1890s. shit! Okay, Charlie and Lummis. Charlie Lummis walked from Chillicothe, Ohio, to Los Angeles. Walked. Yes. How long did that take him? A long time. Holy shit! Yeah, but he um he wrote like little blurbs, like he was like a you know dispatch guy, and he was one of the first reporters for the los angeles times no way yeah and um his house is right off of figueroa that he hand built out of river rock from like arroyo canyon dude it's a and it's it's like a historic there's a historic marker there but i like to go to that place and just like 
because his writing desk is there and um you know he wrote a couple books which i really really enjoyed and um just he had that wandering spirit oh i gotta i gotta look into oh amazing and he was quite an accomplished photographer and really he yeah he amassed like one of the largest collections of um photography of the native american culture in the southwest dude this is what i'm talking about you get you you always <laughs> dust me with these references that are so esoteric man, i know a little about a lot oh but yeah God. charlie lummis seek him out and you you're gonna be like this guy's life is so bananas. I'm yeah. so excited because one of my favorite photographers is Edward Curtis, oh, who, yeah. who did all of the, and, and he had a book, right. uh, or someone came out with a book on him a few years back called um, Long Night of the Shadow Catchers or something like that, talking about his singular pursuit in life. Mm-hmm. Once he discovered photography, he was a fucking con artist, dude. Right. This guy is well, my... Everyone's a little bit of a con everybody artist, is. right? But but this guy to the level that he was one of Theodore Roosevelt's closest friends, and he didn't even have a high school education. He was such... Sounds like my kind of guy. <laughs> yes. And he was in the circles with the top-notch politicians and, and businessmen at the time, and they all funded his exploration of the world. He just right. wanted to explore and take photographs. And when he came across the native population that was just dwindling in existence at the time, mm-hmm. it all clicked for him. And yeah. he goes, this is my purpose now. I have to document everything that's left and try and preserve it because he knew within his lifetime it I would be gone. if he and Charlie Lummis knew of each other. I bet they would have. Yeah, right. They sound very similar. I know Charlie was a he was definitely a proponent of the Native American people and and you know at the time like a lot of the native children were being forcibly placed into these um reformatories yeah you know to missions m- yeah and to make them um just you know Christian and he was completely against that and he realized early on it's like well there will be nothing left of their culture yeah so, you know, he felt that it was, you know, part of his mission in life was to document and, and try to help these folks to retain their culture. And, um, yeah, I, I have a great admiration for him for that. I've got, I've, I've got to figure this out because yeah. it, the circles were so small back then. Right. They had to overlap. Could have been, yeah. If they weren't buddies, yeah. they had to piggyback off of each other's work because there was such little now of it going on. we have something to research. Yeah. Because cool. Curtis was doing recordings of the languages at the time. And on this wax is cylinders. On wax probably, cylinders, yeah. 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 And that some of them are the only known recordings of some of those tribal languages at the time. How cool is that? Yeah, we should make a trip up to the, um, to the Southwest Museum sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. You know who else is real? Have you ever met Tim O'Keefe? Um, yeah, in you know, in passing and stuff. He he's in Texas. I yeah, believe. Yeah, 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 amazing photographer, but he's yeah. uh, really knowledgeable on Native American history and Native American art. I did not know that. Yeah, I I love talking with him and his wife about those things. One of those bugs that bit him. I, mm. I mean, who knows when? I've been trying to get him in or line up a time to come in here, right. but uh, you know, I I don't know much about it, but those 
artists, I'll call them artists because they were writers and photographers at the time, right. dedicated their whole life to pursuing that singular effort. Yeah. And, and to the point where Curtis actually, he was living, talk about living like a hobo, he was living in the Southwest basically on horseback right. at that time with his camera gear because that's the only thing <laughs> he had to his name. you imagine huffing around like that Plate huge, glass. Yeah, plate like daguerreotype camera. Yes. <laughs> that's <laughs> what he was doing. He had mules. Man. And he would lug that through the desert. That's to... some gumption. Oh, my God. Sure. And can you imagine blowing one of those photographs like somebody moving or something? Oh, You're right. Like, no! Yeah, okay, stand still for like an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His collection of books because he made a volume of it mm -hmm. i believe they may be the most expensive book ever sold at auction as a collection wow and if i remember the finale of that book he died with nothing to his name that's how it typically works <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. but he had in his possession of belongings when he passed mm -hmm. the complete volume of his work that's amazing. Yeah. So he retained the the one thing that made his estate worth anything. Yeah, was that collection of books that he made. And yeah, talk about that dedication of those people at the time. Even just building a house yeah. out of rock. Oh yeah. After walking across the wait, country. Wait till you see this house. It's you know what's funny. It's like it's literally like two blocks away from like uh, DePaulo's place. Oh really? Yeah. Right there in opposite side of Fig. Okay, Highland Park. Yeah. You know who else has a house like that? Or that feels like that? Do you remember that old swap meet dude, Randy? Oh, yeah. We were talking about Randy. Yeah. Yes, that Tahunga. was you and I. In Tahunga. Yeah, yeah. That house that he has yeah. looks like it was hand-built from oh, yeah. stone. There. Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful home. And, like, the bottom half is all stone. Yeah. It's all river rock, yeah. I always wondered what the history of that what place a, I was. I haven't seen that guy. Well, damn, the last time I saw that guy was with Troy, so it's been a minute. Yeah, I was, yeah, it would have been around, this, like, long before. Yeah. Troy passed. Yeah, I was like, oh, there's some like 16 inch Ford wheels in his backyard. I'm my mental note. <laughs> Anything you needed, man, yeah. it was buried in there. Yeah, Indian flywheels and stuff. I uh, just he he had a tank. Yeah, there was a tank back there. I like the Cheech and Chong ice cream truck. I bet he knew. I, I he seems like the kind of guy who probably picked that house because it was what it was. Ten bucks. I bet you he had met or known steve mcqueen oh definitely yeah. or von dutch probably yeah. or any of those guys in i love hearing stories about dutch or or like um you know like really eccentric dudes like that oh what was steve mcqueen's uh dude the handler guy um bud akins oh yeah bud akins they were just their timing was perfect right. to be celebrities at the peak of 60s counterculture here's a here's a here's an interesting cat that i've always admired but do you know about jocko johnson no oh. here we go again come okay. on hit me with it hit me with it <laughs> jocko johnson in his later days lived in a school bus in the desert here really and had a full machine shop in his school bus and he was a bike guy he was more of a car guy but okay. just he was a motor guy all right and um he just came up with wacky ideas but he also built some very cool furniture, which I had no idea about. I just 
was thumbing through a like very trippy furniture book in a thrift store up in Northern California on the coast. No way. And they're like, Jocko Johnson making this crazy. T-. And I'm like, wait a minute. The and Jocko Johnson. This guy made a very, very legendary. Um, so, you know, Moon Eyes, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's the association. So, you know, the Moon Eyes Streamliner that they have? Yeah. That's a Jocko Johnson design. Really? He designed the body of that car. The, it's a Lakester, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's a speed trials car. He did it out here in the desert? Yeah, he had molds and like he, well, you know, he had a shop that was that was in the LA area, but he eventually came out here with yeah. that knowledge and and he was still cranking out stuff. Like, like I said, he had a machine shop on his school bus. These are the designers. I mean, forget Ames. Like, yeah. this is the stuff that really inspires me. Yeah. And it's crazy. I think at auction, like one of his rocking chairs went for several thousand dollars or whatever, you know, and that's, that's a, so he's well known in the, in the furniture biz. Yeah. So Tom Jones, if you're listening, Jocko Johnson, look look him up. Um, I got to make a list now. Yeah. We'll recap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just, you know, when I first moved out here, this stretch right here goes to dirt. Um, right. Like four telephone Burns poles Canyon, down. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you been down on the end of the road? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's a house on the right side of the road. Okay. That uh, when I moved into this neighborhood, <clears throat> I had my bike parked out front and the doors open, and obviously it, mm-hmm. replacing windows, working on the house. Some old guy pulls into my yard, and he goes, "Hey, I saw your bike. And I saw your vehicle here." He's like, "I was wondering if you want to trade." You know, that camper there for a Harley, old Harley Davidson. And I go, <laughs> what's your name, man? Yeah. And he tells me his name. And he's like, just come down to the house anytime and we'll see what I got. Okay. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be good. I mean, yeah. So I rode, I got on my XT and I went down there. And I'm like, hey, uh, you remember me? I'm your neighbor. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, let's see what's still left here. He goes, I used to be the house the hell's angels stayed at for you know through the 60s and 70s when they were doing their thing out here (laughs) because i i don't want to get anybody in trouble or did you see the remnants of a meth lab in the well that was things like they made a lot of drugs up here yeah and um we're going through this really crazy looking quonset that's handmade out of oh, wow. every okay. material you could find out here. Right. Tree limbs and eye beams and anyway, he had this old shovel head under mm-hmm. a tarp and hadn't run in like twenty five years or, or whatever and I I ended up just kicking tires with the guy and yeah. he died like a short time after this. Mm. But anyway, we're we're there at the house, and he goes, listen, if you find any parts or anything, most of it's been cleaned out, but you can just have it, take it. I literally tripped and fell over a big twin off-spread springer sticking up out of the dirt (laughs) that I took home that day with a 19-inch front wheel hamburger drum, uh, a couple other little fender parts. And he goes, that might be it. Oh, and then there was a... There was like a two-level industrial shelving unit. And he looked up there and he goes, you know, I haven't ever looked up on the top shelf. Look up to see if there's anything up there. Mm. And so I climb up there and I'm like, oh, there's two big trash bags or something. He's like, oh, 
that's probably weed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he got in an accident on the corner and passed away. Oh. Uh, but he gave me those parts. I still That's got cool. them in the garage. I probably won't run them on anything. I'm just like, yeah, this is just know, a, a history of a this neighborhood. It's a with a story. It is. Yeah. It is. And that was kind of like my welcome to the neighborhood. Right on. Yeah, and that's when I knew for sure I was in the yeah, right man. place. You, yeah, you have your feet planted here now, and I'm 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 really proud of you for, for just uh, staking your claim out here and just you know doing Thanks. your thing. You know, I call this place my knucklehead house. Perfect, because I was it, suits it. Yeah. it was the exact same price, and I had I had right? saved up some money and found. Oh, it was actually Stephen Bill down at the museum yeah. in Spanaway that were you know, I was talking to. I, oh gosh, I miss those guys. I do too. Oh man. man great people well well when we uh when we do our trip northwest. Back up to the northwest we'll definitely make that a stop you know troy and i both got our first big twins from him from right from steve they were the only guys in town really that were doing buildings yeah no it was bill actually bill sold us both but uh i actually that was the last time i talked to bill was when troy passed away i was mm. trying to track down information on the bike because mm-hmm. uh, when we auctioned it off but they're still up there doing their thing. That's good. I always felt bad for him because, you know, his son, like, I don't know about now. But He's into it now. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, good. Finally. Oh, man. That, that makes that's that makes me feel good because yeah. he you could just see he was just like hiding the pain that like his son like <laughs> as a teenager did not yeah. give two shits about like your old your old crusty harley your old man yeah. is sitting on the greatest archives right. of motorcycles and also yeah. wealth of knowledge oh huge i wonder does he still have that old old leather belt driven lathe that oh remember? that thing was huge yeah it was really like a remember. railroad lathe yeah, or something yeah. that pulled off the railroad yeah what a neat guy man I'm, I'm i'm glad that you know he's up there to uh to I, show a lot of young upstarts talking about the boat operation yeah, the non-profit well their operation there reminds me a lot of that in a way yeah in a sense i could see that they didn't have such an uh, open door policy like right. they would really vet you before they'd let you in oh, the yeah. door oh, yeah. but they were also very aware i feel like that they're the last right of this game and they had to pass along the knowledge yeah when i started getting invites to the christmas party mm-hmm. every year i felt like i was like there you that go. was the stamp of imp- approval there you go for for making it that far but I mean, I guess that will that will be you and I at some point. Smaller than I think it already is. I, I guess so. Yeah. Their operations huge. Oh, massive, massive. I yeah. mean, what's going to happen to the nonprofit once? You know, yeah, once once Wayne is Wayne is out yeah. of the game, and um, yeah, I guess it's just to the up to the young upstarts to keep it afloat and and maintain the boats and. But I. That that guy is just full of piss and vinegar, so I think he's going to be around for a minute. Yeah, it seems yeah. like it. You can see he's got like a he's got that twinkle in his eye. Oh, he's tough as nails though, and 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 that's talk about a humble guy. Like you know, he's when I got to know him and started developing a relationship with him, it's like you know he started to come out of his shell, and we'd have these deep conversations, and he was like, yeah, like you know, tell me about this boat or that boat. And this guy is such a legend. For instance, you know, the song wooden ships, 
you know, by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he actually worked on uh, Mayan, which was David Crosby's boat that inspired that song. Far out. I mean, this was a boat that, and it was kind of neat too, because like the crew that worked on it, they're telling me, yeah, there's all these weird hidden compartments in the boat and stuff. I'm like, I bet there is. I know what those were for, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's just like that, that was those guys. And, and, you know, they sought out this guy, like he's the wooden boat guy. This guy needs to restore this boat. And I think the story is that, yeah, David Crosby talked to his accountant and he had to actually do a tour <laughs> to cover the cost of the boat. Oh restoration. my God, I'll bet. Yeah. I, the boat now has, has been sold. Crosby sold it to a gentleman and now it's in this, Santa Barbara I believe but that was just an example of the craftsmanship that this guy has has retained and learned from you know the generation that preceded him so he was sired into it yes. with a group of guys yeah, that when are... he was young about 18 wow you know, he started working on boats and he's 66 now that's all he's known when did he start the nonprofit? probably about four years ago okay so it's yeah. pretty new yeah relatively new and, you know, since then we've acquired five boats that we have in the fleet. Yeah. That, that we maintain or that our current projects and there's, it's just that that wealth of knowledge that he has that keeps me coming back because, you know, even if it's something as simple as just like scrubbing down a boat, which is where I started, you know, like you learn something, you learn, you learn to care for the object. And, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, it's just, it's a boat, but I was kind of, say, for instance, uh, La Volpe, the schooner that we sailed on. Like, mm -hmm. I was telling you the history behind that, and I showed you that photo. Yes. You say it, though, because it's such a cool right. story. Yeah, and I, I happened to do some research, and I found this photo, an old press photo from 1936. And these three, like, mid-20s to early-30s-year-old guys, like three of them, they sailed that boat through the Panama Canal, like down the coast, through the Panama Canal, up the East Coast, just to enter a boat race from New York to the Bahamas and just have bragging rights like, hey, motherfuckers, we just sailed this boat this far just so we can like sail in this race. That's so badass. Yeah. And I'm like, talk about adventure. Yeah. And you, you saw the expression in that photo. Well, it's, it's not a one way trip. Then you got to oh, sail at home. Then you got to get home. Yeah. So to me being around or sailing on that boat is, is, is just so special to me every time because of, you know, that boat was built in 1926 and, and the history and, and the hours of enjoyment and the the care that has gone into a boat like that to keep it preserved is 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 something to me and that and you know we equate that to to motorcycles or cars and stuff and it's and that's why um, <coughs> excuse me that's why the pres preservation that's an important word absolutely yeah in every single <coughs> joint surface corner the details on that ship are flawless right they're flawless it's there's no compromises to me <coughs> i look at something like that and i am thoroughly inspired to do better that makes me feel good it does it's yeah and i also look at where i'm at right now and my 
ability to you know machine or fabricate something and i'm like dude you suck <laughs> dude but i feel like your skill level has gone has accelerated like you've gotten so much further well thank you <coughs> i you know i i try every time i take my bike apart to put it together in a better way that's my that's the point every time that's what it's about and i've, I've learned a lot of lessons from i think one one thing that really makes you a better builder is being a better rider uh, and spending a lot of time yeah. on your on your motorcycle and um, you gotta feel you gotta feel the bike you really do it, yeah you'll arrive at form quicker than you'll arrive at an understanding of function because the the, the function is what takes the longest I feel like to learn yeah and but, and I'm still. I think it was Berrigan. I was helping Berrigan with oh, some board. Yeah. One of my favorite builders, man. That guy. Yeah. Michael. And and he he's just good. Good at for all him. Of Another me. one of our crew. Yeah. That has a little family now. Yeah. It, and I I yeah. love watching him and Cass their story unfold. It's so special to me. I've I've talked to them about doing an episode and, and making a love story out of it because oh, sure. their story's great. But I was I was I was work I was helping Berrigan and I didn't I haven't spent a lot of time in the shop with Berrigan I I would like to spend more, mm-hmm. uh, but we were tr- very quickly working on two bikes for Born Free the night before trying to get them frantic both run, just yeah. frantic and we're trying to line up these pipes and we're auditioning all these different scenarios and I'm like well if you do this and this you can put a bag here and you know you can put your gas here and he looks at me and he mm-hmm. goes. I love the fact that your first thought is writing, but he goes, you need to think about it as art right now. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, okay. All right. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say uh, Michael Berrigan, he's got a very organic eye. Yeah. You know, he, um, the, the bikes that he puts together are very fluid they flow yeah, yeah yeah they really flow definitely. he left one out here at a, for a period of time because he, mm-hmm. he came out right around and had some trouble and loaded up fast he's like let me leave this here so i gotta like really study it mm-hmm. and i hadn't really got to sit with one of his bikes in my garage right. and i'll say that he is his de- design decisions are just quiet inspirational contributions because he will oftentimes hide a lot of the cool shit that he does. Yeah. Wasn't he a car guy before he was yes. a motorcycle guy? Still yeah, that's is. What I yeah. yeah. I remember his five window. He had that model A. Yeah. Because I met the lo- the yeah. your long one. Yeah. I met him. He was sharing a shop with uh who was in that shop? Oh my god. It was the one off of Santa Fe, like downtown. Did you ever go there? No, I came up here when he was in Burbank already. Okay. Yeah, this was this predates that, but um gosh. Superco. That's who Treveline. He was sharing a shop with Treveline. Okay. And Mr. Scott Craig. But that would have been that would have been when I was on the outside of right. the the Southern California mm-hmm. crew, like looking in. That car was amazing it was just it had such a it was tough it had such attitude yeah i think he but still has it you know what's trippy is like he i i noticed his style with his early bikes and stuff were more 
had that look and feel of that model a it did you're you know? right you're absolutely right and i i feel that like his motorcycles have gotten slimmer and longer mm -hmm. and and like i said just more organic you know it's interesting you say that because that night we were working on two bikes mm -hmm. and one was one of each was the style you're talking about right he was building one that was very squat, a lot of attitude mm -hmm. with a varred front end, not stretched, not raked, mm -hmm. and looked extremely athletic on the lift right? in right. that Berrigan way. And then yeah. on the next lift over was very exaggerated lines, mm -hmm. stretched, uh, just kind of, um, I guess, some indulgent design yeah. decisions. And so he was, in a way, that night, really getting to do both of his styles yeah. at the same time. I need to make a trip up to Burbank. I've, well, he I, moved again. Oh, he did. Well, I never went to this other Burbank oh, shop, so it's all new to me. The, the so. one he's in now looks awesome. Oh, good for him. But yeah, he, I remember he mentioned that he was moving. I think the last time that, like, we had lunch at one of the... What's what's the Paradise show? The Paradise, oh, Paradise Road show. show. Yeah, a couple yeah. years back, you know, and um, it was nice to see him and catch up. And he had mentioned he was moving shops. That guy is one of those comprehensive artists. Um, that very talented musician has that side oh, of the yeah. brain. And we clicked on that because you know we would talk about touring life, and you know he could identify he can identify with being on the road. So yeah. we would have that conversation. So he has that part. And then mechanically he's extremely gifted and knows his way around all the tools in the shop. And right. th I mean, if you sat down with pen and paper, I'm sure that he could draw really well, you know, as, mm -hmm. as a fundamental skill. I just, yeah. he's very well-rounded. Yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. Michael, we're going to get you on here one of these days. You too, Cass. Well, where are we at now? Two hours, 13 minutes. There we go. Yeah. Well-rounded. you think we covered it? I think so. It's like, yeah, yeah, we covered most of the bases, I think, yeah. Art, music, I mean, that's art too, but uh, right. design, travel, yeah. marriage. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty rough. There we <laughs> well go. Well-rounded. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have to say thank you for having me and and thank you for your friendship, dude. You know, pleasure is all mine. Oh man, always I'm, has been. I'm so I'm so glad you're in my life, dude. Yeah, back at you. I can't wait to see your life go on now. Getting married, and yeah. we're gonna have some awesome couples weekends. I'm looking forward to it, onward and upward. And you have a lot to teach me yet on boats. Okay. I have a lot of yeah. catching up to do. Yeah, it'll be great. Well, first thing is to wear sensible shoes. <laughs> yes. Learn that. <laughs> you can't way. wear... And just for everybody out there, you cannot wear engineer boots to go sailing. No. They're you not sailing. To, yeah. Bring your vans. What do you call them? Deck shoes? Deck shoes. Yeah. Here's a little interesting bit of trivia. Okay. That shoot. I learned recently. That engineer boot that I made with Wesco... Right. ...was actually... Uh, you think of engineering boots as being like engineering mm -hmm. train comes to mind, that right. sort of thing. That particular boot was made in the 30s for welders on the ships in the ports. That's something. There you go. Because they were burning the laces out of their That's a good looking boot, too. Well, now I'm probably going to get a pair. Oh, dude, you'll love them. All right. What size are you? 
Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little foot guy, so like a nine and a half. Oh, nine. try that on, then okay. I think it'll fit you perfect. All right, then. All right. Okay. Thank you, Andre. Good talking to you, Todd. You too. All right. Love you. Bye, everybody. Bye. How about that? He's right, though. You just never know when you cross paths with someone how they're going to steer your course. And I am very lucky I crossed paths with you, Andre. Very lucky, my friend. Many more miles. And good luck with the with the wedding. What do I mean, good luck? It's going to be amazing. I'm going to be there. Going to get dressed up, probably get wedding drunk, even though I have to work the next day. It's worth it, though. <laughs> okay, everybody go check out the Maritime Preservation Trust on Instagram, and I'm sure they have other social, too. But I follow them on Instagram. You'll see some really beautiful work there on these wooden ships they're restoring. And also go to my website if you want to support the show and check out my store for some great products that I know you will enjoy. Okay? Rocco, thank you for the music. Everyone, thank you for listening. I'm going to tie this thing up. I'm not going to do any reading aloud uh, today because it's nice outside. I won't get the hell out of this house. And I hope you guys get out too. Get on your bikes. Go ride. Be safe. I love you all. Till next time. So long.